pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. In this episode, we'll be reviewing round six, previewing round seven, and discussing whether Tom Travojevic is capable of dragging the Seagulls into the top eight. Joining me are Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman, so let's get into it. I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman for what is the round seven preview of Above the Horizontal. Um, and first of all, we'll be discussing our tip successes or otherwise from round six and our bowl predictions. I thought I'd start us off because I got a very measly four out of eight, although I do think it was a pretty hard round to tip. And my bowl prediction, I missed it by what Maxwell Smart would call that much. It was, I had Caleb Aikens will top Charles Nickel Cookstar's uh, average running meters of 171 meters per game and he would run for 200 plus against the Eels he did top the average run meters but he only made 196 meters so I just oh. missed out by a measly 4 meters but that's okay and I only got 4 out of 8 Kieran uh, you also got 4 out of 8 and your well, to be honest your ball prediction wasn't your most convoluted one (laughs) it was that the storm and the raiders would combine for a 30 point win margin when you put them together uh the storm did their job uh but the raiders not so much to be honest when tedesco set up i think ikavalu for that try i thought oh that's going to come back to bite me and i don't know if it should have been a try i thought the previous play i thought sam walker had taken advantage and there was a bit of a a mix-up but maybe i'm being biased but (laughs) Um, Even then, at halftime of the Eels-Raiders game, I I thought, nah, the Eels are... The Raiders aren't doing enough. I think the Eels will at least get the win. I didn't see them winning by that much, but I think I ended up with, like, a a minus nine cumulative margin, so I was a fair way off. That's unfortunate. When Icavallo scored that try, did you do a Craig Bellamy and, like, this is Sparta, one of the (laughs) lounge room chairs? I did. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not on camera, as his are, but, um, yeah, I was pretty livid. (laughs) <laughs> and Miles, you were you were uh, in some ways more successful than us with five out of eight, but in some ways your prediction of Ash Taylor scoring a try and assisting two others uh, did not come to fruition. Yeah, Ash Taylor and the, the rest of his team was was awful, um, and perhaps provided an excellent example for for why he's not the man to to lead the Titans forward, in my opinion. Yeah, the the whole new contract thing. Uh, it, it certainly didn't go well against a, a red-hot Manly team, 36-0 with the uh, inclusion of Tommy Turbo, but we will discuss him very shortly. What I want to know, Kieran, is what did you learn from round six? Um, I've got one of the, the hotter debates, I think, at the moment in the NRL, which is uh, around who should be the Queensland number one, and I think the Kalen Bonger, Kalen Bonger to the bench for Queensland in favour of Brimson argument is not a done deal just yet. Kalen Bonger was instrumental in getting the Knights a win over the Sharks, and all the while horribly sick. If he can continue this form in a Knights side, I expect to kick on now. I think he will be Queensland's starting fullback. It will be a very interesting race. You'd also have to consider Val Holmes some chance, although he's probably a lock for a wing spot there. Uh, Miles, what did you learn from round six? 
Well, I, re- I learned that the Roosters may not be title contenders, and and yes, it's hard to tell from one game. But look, I think the way with the, the, the way the Chooks played um, uh, that poorly uh, against a fellow heavyweight, it's hard to describe them as a premiership candidate any longer. Maybe only I was, but <laughs> uh, look, it, it's worth noting that they are playing on the road too, which is uh, a position that the club will, will almost certainly find itself in if they are to, to go deep into this season, because it's hard to see them nabbing one of those. Uh, home games all the way throughout the finals like they've been so accustomed to in, in recent years. I agree. I, I, I think I was off them a couple of weeks ago and then Sam Walker looked really impressive and I was like, oh, maybe, but he's 18. He can't lead that team to a premiership, I think. Um, what I learned uh, was about the Brisbane Broncos. They Look, they're not really a club renowned for ticker and that was even during their you know, their dominant years in the 90s and two- and early 2000s, like, they were a very classy side, but they were never really known for ticker. Uh, but what I saw against a much classier Penrith Panthers on Thursday night indicated that they do have some. And yes, the Panthers weren't at their best, but a lot of that credit has to go to the Broncos. Um, I think if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm very encouraged by that. Um, because when you are a team that's, expected not to do well, expected not to make the eight. Those sort of efforts, I I think, are what gets fans more on side, but maybe a little bit more on that later. Let's go to the wildcard awards for the round that was. Miles, do you have a wildcard for us this week? I do. I've got the the literally getting it all wrong award. And and let me emphasize literally, it's going to the Bulldogs, uh, after a, a ton of misplaced type around the dogs in the offseason, I think it's fair to say now uh, the club has failed to hit on almost every single one of its once lauded acquisitions, uh, not least Jack Hetherington, who is quickly proving to have been a flash in the pan with the Warriors last season and will now spend, uh, I think, more than a month on the sidelines after his raft of dangerous tackle attempts finally caught up with him and he was the first player sent off in the 2021 season. Yeah, quite a big moment that, wasn't it? Um, and it, it actually seemed... I actually saw a tweet about it. It was like, who knew that all the Bulldogs needed to do was just play with 12 people instead of 13? Because they actually, they actually started to turn it on a little bit against, <laughs> against my Cowboys. But um, yeah, Hetherington, uh, it was a three-week worthy uh, suspension in and of itself, except for the fact that he has uh, priors. And it looks like he's going to miss five weeks, the last I heard. So... Um, you know, good luck to him twiddling his thumbs on the sideline there because the Bulldogs are going to restructure their side a bit and he might find himself on the outer for a while. Kieran, what's your wildcard award this week? I've got the I'll Hope You Back Arnold Schwarzenegger Award, which goes to Tom Trebojevic. <laughs> <laughs> Much maligned in the offseason for another injury preventing him from starting the season, he vowed to come back and didn't he do it in a big way? In possibly the best ever NRL comeback game the game has seen. Whew. Oh, that's uh, like that's, yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's a big call. That's a that's a halftime entertainment segment in and of itself, isn't it? Like that'll take some research, but it was a very Kieran, fine performance. You mean, of course, until uh, Jackson Hastings returns to the NRL next year? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> I think it's already a given. It's going to be better. <laughs> 
Yeah, just ask our, our Tigers uh, correspondent, Christopher Waring, about what he thinks about that. I think his response was, I'm neutral about this. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Good passion. Uh, my wildcard award is uh, a film-related one. That'll shock you guys. The 2019 Film Joker Award for Spectacularly Sucking goes <laughs> to the Canberra Raiders, who frankly let their fans down in a hugely anticipated game on the weekend. Like Joker, some people will defend the way the Raiders put together their effort, but intelligent people, much like Ricky Stewart, knew it needed a mountain of editing and frankly some key personnel changes. Ricky has done exactly that to his Raiders outfit this week with Joe Tarpany being dropped to the reserves and Josh Papali'i, one of the most respected enforcers in the game, dropped to the bench. Uh, if only the Jokers, uh, producers and directors had that much gumption with the editing room. <laughs> Watch out, Neil, North Queensland Cowboys is all I'll say for round seven, by the way. The Raiders, they, <laughs> they'll uh, they'll have a point to prove. But let's jump into the, some news items. We've got five items up this week. The very first one, with one of the most intimidating winning streaks in the league at the moment, which of course is two games in a row. <laughs> Are Manly making the top eight with Tommy T's comeback performance on the weekend? Miles, you're in Sydney. Uh, Is there a bit of a buzz around the Manly Seagulls at the moment? There is. And I think if they remain fit, um, potentially they can. Uh, I guess at this stage, if I was to um, put my money one way or the other, I'd say yes. But look, they'll have to fight off, obviously, the... The Dragons, um, who I, I think people will just assume will, will fade at least at some point in the season, and, and probably to a lesser extent, teams like the the Knights and the Warriors for that eighth spot. But look, I, I think it was clear on the weekend that Tom Jerovich is, is so special a, a source that he he may just propel the Seagulls uh, finals bound. But uh, I think that situation in and of itself raises uh, a great many questions about the Seagulls going forward. But yeah, to answer the question, I think maybe. Kieran, where do you stand on this one? Well, you said that the the Manly Seagulls have one of the most intimidating win streaks at the moment. They actually have a 75% win streak rate with Tommy Turbojevic in the side, and I think it's something like 42% or something much, much lower without him. Um, but I, personally, I think the current top five is locked in, and the Knights and Raiders will likely join that top five. So for me, it leaves one spot between... The Titans, Dragons, Warriors, Manly, and maybe the Sharks. Uh, it, it wouldn't quite be the Eels in 2009, but if Tommy Chaboyevich is to have a big season here, and I, I'll say he will, and I'll say Manly will, I expect them to just... I'll go out on a limb and say that they'll just oust the Warriors into the top eight. Oh, yeah. You know what? I like Tommy Turbo, so I'd like, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him have a Jared Hayne type year. He's had a lot of rough... Uh, years with his injuries and he's obviously a super talent um, but I'm going to fall on the side of no on this one I, I'm going to stick with my pre-season prediction that Manly will improve with Tommy Turbo as you mentioned here and they're, they're a much better side with him um, mm. and the stats don't lie about that but I don't see them giving this much of a start um, to other teams and reining them in I, I, I do I, and I initially had them I think at 13th in the preseason. Um, I'll stick with about that somewhere like 11th to 13th I could sort of see them landing uh, and part of that is because I'm, I'm not entirely sure about Tommy's fitness and if he is fit he's a automatic selection for Origin so that takes some time out as well and I don't know I just 
I think he is too important to that team. And and as Miles says, it raises some questions about the Manly Seagulls going forward. And I think that, in, that includes this year. So um, they're a no for me, but I would love to see it. Uh, speaking of love to see, the next question is, um, what do you want to see from your team as a fan? I spoke about how the Broncos showed a lot of ticker. Um, that pretty much tells you what I want to see from my team as a fan when your team is at long odds of making the finals for a season. For me, it's all about effort and defense uh, for all of or at least most of games because the thing that you can control when your roster is not as good as another team's is effort and fitness. Uh, if you are able to go with teams for effort for 80 minutes, chances are you're not going to be flogged by 30 points. Um, and that's just an attitude and a fitness thing for me. So uh, as a Cowboys fan, if I can see uh, consistent effort from players and like, you know, I'm not a big Jake Granville fan as as anyone who listens <laughs> to this podcast would well know. But to be to his credit, he ripped in on, on Sunday against the Bulldogs and he was probably a reason that we staved them off in the end there. Uh, and he has been one of our best high effort players this season so I'm happy for him to keep his bench spot and I'd like to see more of it um, so that's what that's what I think um, if if my team was at the bottom end of the table which they happen to be although they are on one of those great winning streaks of two games Kieran you're also a Cowboys fan do I sing the same song that you do? You absolutely do and I've got the, the exact same you want you want your team controlling the controllables and um I've even got, uh, to sum things up, I, I want an RTS-like effort from all 17 players every game as he does, which is exactly what you're saying. Um, the passion has to be there every single game from the players, and they have to realize that their position is a privileged one, which I think some of the players, I, I won't name names from the Cowboys, but I think some of them do take their spot as a privilege and take it for granted and think that they're just going to get selected every week. Um, you, you always see a few late upsets in a, late in the season from lower sides when they know they won't be playing football again for a while. Um, and as a preseason looms, I, I want players to show that passion and know that they'll miss the game every game, not just when a season is about to end and that there can't be complacency or, or thoughts of this is just another game as they go into the 80 minutes. Um, you saw from Tamo a few weeks ago, you touched on it, Bo, where he was screaming at his teammates for their lackluster effort to stop a Roosters try a month ago. Mm. Things like that. I want to see things like that from a, a team as well. Like, that's just a small thing, but you want that... If the effort is there, and then there's also Tamo screaming when the, the effort kind of uh, drops for a little bit, if they can pick it back up straight away after Tamo has done something like that, then I'm quite happy, or as happy as I can possibly be with my team um, being de- low down on the ladder. So that's the sort of things that I want. And just touching on Tamo really quickly, um, I was impressed to see his uh, written statement to Tigers fans that was shared on the Tigers social media um, over the weekend. I I know that a lot of them are hurting, but he's asking the fans to be patient in the process and and trying to communicate with them as openly as he can, which I think is a step in the right direction as a leader. I think that's really impressive stuff, mm. um, which is something I didn't really think of him as at the Cowboys, but he um, certainly showed he was at the Panthers and now the Tigers. Miles, if you were a fan of a struggling side, what, what is the thing that you most want to see? Is it the same as us? Well, uh, I guess just to be a little bit of a, a dick tease uh, for all of you who might be uh, on tenter hooks, I am a fan of a struggling side. You, you won't find out which one. <laughs> but, um, no, look, I, I agree with you guys, uh, particularly Kieran. You said um, you, you were kind of talking about um, 
mm-hmm. wanting to to play every single game and and having you know real love and passion for the game uh you know my dad and i have this sort of anecdote where uh, you know we've had it for a while across a, a great mini sports where you know you, you watch a game and and it, it, there's every chance and in, in, in maybe even in, in sports like rugby league where there's less games played it's likely you've just watched someone play their last game of first grade you know you never know who, who it's going to be and obviously it's not going to be you know tom Trebojevic or jake Trebojevic or daily jerry evans but there's a chance you've just watched someone play their last ever game of first grade and, and they don't know it and you don't know it and and uh you know that's why it's important to to take uh, every game as if it was your last. But uh, anyway, I digress. Um, I do pretty much have the same thing as, as you guys. Uh, obviously, I, I, want to, I want to see passion, but I think that extends from, from what I had written down, which is that I want to see good coaching. Um, and, you know, there are some clubs at the bottom of the table that have that. There are some that don't. Um, so that's, I think, the first thing that you've got to get sorted out is good coaching. You, you want to have the right person leading a, a rebuild, which is likely what you're part of if you're, down the bottom of the standings and, and I also want to see um, I think it's fair to ask for at least one position group so either backs uh, or your forwards or, or the spine as a whole I guess playing well so that you at least have some sort of kind of uh, direction in which to point your compass and, and, and know who or, or what you're building around because I think if you you know if you don't have that then you sort of don't really know where the, is best to spend your money both with this current team and in the open market which uh, sort of brings me into my last point is that you want to see if you if you're down the bottom of the standings, you absolutely want to see salary cap space because if if you're up against the the ceiling uh, of the salary cap and and you're down the bottom of the standings, there's something going you know, seriously seriously wrong, which is uh, what a, a bunch of teams in the past twenty years have, have had to to deal with, and and it's usually what uh, leads to the most prolonged uh, spells at the bottom of the standings. So. I think if you, if you can want one thing from a struggling team, it's probably salary cap space. That's actually a really interesting point, and it's something that the Bulldogs are experiencing very acutely at the moment. Um, the Tigers also spring to mind there. You, you touched on something interesting there that I'd love to expand on. You mentioned that there are some teams that have good coaching, but they're down the bottom of, of the ladder. Does anyone spring to mind for you? Let me. I knew you were going to ask that, and I've just clicked on to the ladder on NRL.com. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. In terms of teams playing in the, the bottom half of the standings that are, I think, generally well-coached, and, and look, don't come after me if I mention your team here and you hate your coach, um, <laughs> but uh, look, I'll leave the Raiders out of it because they're obviously a top-eight team. Um, I think the Sharks were a well-coached side until they fired John Morris. Now I have absolutely no fucking idea. Um <laughs> I think the I think despite the the one win I think it's been I think the Tigers are well coached, um, and and that's that's maybe it. And you know what I'll say the Warriors as well because they're more than likely going to end up in the bottom half of the standings. And I, I think that Nathan Brown's for the most part done an okay job. So I'd point to those three teams as the probably the best coach bottom half teams. And and look if the Dragons somehow wind up there, obviously they're uh, being very well coached at the moment. So. I think those teams, those three teams, can at least say we we might have the guy, might have the guy uh, with whom to lead us forward. Very interesting. Um, as a Cowboys fan, I'm pretty happy with what Todd Payton's doing at the moment. I really am. I, I don't know if that is uh, um, reciprocated no, by you here. Uh, yeah, it is. I think we're we're slowly forming an identity. Miles said you have to kind of have a a compass for at least one sort of group of players um, to kind of have them as your strength. And I think we have that with 
some of our backs, drink water, Holmes, Hamaso Tapuifido when he's fit. Uh, I think we've got a bit of strike on the park and, and Peyton recognises that and we've played to that strength in the wins that we've had. Um, so yeah, I think Peyton's doing a decent job so far. I do agree with that. Cool, cool. Let's um, let's roll forward. Um, obviously, Miles reckons he's shit, but... <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. No. Look, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to defend myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's roll forward. Uh, there was a few uh, inconsistencies in in punishments for foul play over the weekend. Uh, I look at Latrell Mitchell getting away with murder, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> although he is facing the judiciary this evening and could be up for a, a month on the sideline, I think it is. Uh, Radley was sin-binned for um, a foul play, and he's also fronting the judiciary this evening. Uh, and Jack Hetherington, as we mentioned earlier, was straight sent off. Um, do we like the idea of the NRL introducing a system, uh, like a yellow card, red card system like uh, football has? Um, so, like, in the, in the instance of Latrell Mitchell, he would have got a couple of yellows and been uh, upgraded to a red. Kieran, you were the one that sort of threw this idea out there. Is is this a brainchild you've been working on? Well, I just look at football. Um, I watch plenty of it despite the hours that it's on at, and uh, I think it's a, a good system to, to implement, or it could work. They're two different, completely two different games, but I think the interpretation of rules in the NRL is so ambiguous and you look at soccer where if if you go on with a a two-footed tackle it's immediately a red card there's no two ways about it it doesn't really matter how much well it doesn't matter at all how much contact you make with the player it's a a straight red card um which is kind of the direction they went with hetherington although i thought that was (laughs) i actually thought that was a bit harsh but i guess if it's a a straight and fast rule i'm I'm happy for it but you saw with radley he was only sinbin so kind of leaves you scratching uh for answers as to how they're getting so many inconsistent calls. Um, I just think soccer has it so right. They have, I, I can't think of um, another instance other than the two-footed challenge, but I do feel that they have very set rules when it comes to what's a yellow card, what's a red card, uh, and, and it works. Like Players dispute it all the time as, as soccer players are uh, probably the, one of the bigger divas of any sport, um, although I, any, any player in any sport would complain about their player being sent off, but I do think that they have very strict rules around the yellow-red card system, and I think it works. I think it's something that could work in the NRL. Um, and, and Luttrell should have been sent off for sure. Uh, that that punch, particularly, I think that was a straight send-off, personally. Not to mention kicking another player in the face. Um, that was that was also yeah. something that he did at a different part of the game. Uh, Miles, do you like the idea of a yellow-red card system? Uh, like, I, I, I agree with Kieran that it seems to work for soccer, but um, can it work in rugby league? Well, like the, when I read this question, I, the thing that jumped out to me was that we, you know, we already have a warning system. So, you know, clearly, if if people are, are still questioning whether we need one or not, it doesn't work very well. So, um, you know, whether the the sin bin um, send off system needs to be replaced, I don't know, but. Um, we, we kind of talk about it every week, I guess. So I guess it does need to be replaced with something. Um, but to, to kind of tail on from what Kieran was saying there, I, I, I don't think that uh, maybe importing something from another sport will work because it's you know it's it's going to be a different sport that we're we're talking about. But uh, one thing that rugby league seems to miss that most other sports have is that sort of um, that immediate uh, trigger, if you will, as to to what entails a punishment. So Kieran obviously went um, mentioned going in with, with two feet or, or going in studs up. 
uh, in, in soccer, um, uh, in American football. Yeah, I guess you can think of uh, grabbing grabbing a helmet is pretty much gets you instantly tossed. Um, hockey, uh, hitting someone with your stick will, will get you pretty much instantly um, instantly sin bins. Um, uh, that, that's all I can think of at the moment. I get baseball throwing at someone that will get you instantly run from the game. So, you know, there are those uh, the triggers in other sports that um, yeah, when a player does it, there's there's no conversation. It just the punishment is just issued straight away. And and rugby league, we, we sort of got to a point where we, we did have that with a head high tackle, but that's you know until Hetherington uh, proved otherwise, that seemed to have have gone um, recently from the game. Yeah, uh, like that. I actually remember back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that send-offs were a relatively common thing. Like, you'd probably see maybe a dozen a season, you know, something like that. That's quite anecdotal, but um, I, I would suggest that there's a far less send-offs nowadays. Like, it, this is quite big news that he got sent off. Um, we just don't see it uh, ever, really. I've seen players get sin bin twice in a game um, including Cameron Munster, I think, last year. Uh, but Hetherington getting sent off with... Yeah, it's a, it's a huge, huge deal. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on the yellow-red card system, mainly because I, I want uh, Rugby League to keep its identity in terms of having sin bin send-offs. Um, I'm, I'd be open to the idea of a five-minute sin bin and a ten-minute sin bin, um, although I think that's kind of, kind of odd. Uh, and a send-off as well. I agree with Miles that we probably need something more immediate in terms of punishment. Um, I think players are pretty savvy with their lawyers and things like that. Like Paul Momorowski is currently arguing uh, to have his ban removed so he can play on the weekend, and I've just been refreshing that to see how he's going on that front. Um, <laughs> but he's they're still debating at this point. Um, but he, you know... Uh, if he was if he was sin binned instead, um, you know, does that game change dramatically? You know, do the Broncos win that game against the Panthers? Um, you know, maybe like quite quite reasonably, it's 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 reasonable to assume that. Do the Tigers win if Latrell is sin binned or sent off? Uh, probably yes. Uh, so it, it's having a major impact on games. I, I think. I think we have to. I think referees have to be more trigger happy. And as Kieran says, I'd love to have some black and white rulings on it, but I just don't know how to do that. Um, I'm I'm not the person to come up with the answers. I'm afraid, but uh, I do want that to be explored a little bit because I think it'd be better for our game if we can have more immediate consequences for uh, foul play. Definitely. And yes. and just to touch on that, uh, on. David Fafita against the Rabbitohs, he punched a player. He punched Jai Arrow, and he wasn't sent off for that. I thought that that was a an immediate send off as well. I'm pretty sure he just got Simbin for ten minutes. I thought I I just don't understand. I I would have thought the, uh, the referees were told straight away if there's a, a punch thrown in a game, that's a, an immediate send off nowadays. I thought we were oh. there a few years ago. Yeah, punches a straight straight send off. It used yeah. to be at least a straight sin bin. Uh, I'm not sure about straight send-off. I-, I wonder if there's a-, a bit of a shit bloke rule, though. Like, as in, like, <laughs> Jai Arrow, you know, was a bit rude. <laughs> James Tedesco in the origin, so it's okay to punch him in the face. Um, I'm not, I'm but not, not sure. again, not anymore. That's, that's even the, the ledger. It's okay to... Or not okay to punch him anymore. 
No, well, that's right. Um, so, yeah, David Fafita got one back for Tedesco, sort of. But, um, yeah, like, good point. And, like, I'd be happy to get rid of punching generally. Like, a lot of... I hear a lot of old players talk about, oh, the game's too soft now, and, oh, it's, it's this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but, you know, you guys were fucking thugs. Like, <laughs> like that is not... That is, you guys were playing on Dust Bowl, bloody Cumberland Oval, um, and it was it was a shit fight, and there'd be a f- there'd be a fight breakout in the first scrums, and the scrums were ugly as dick, and like you know it was just yeah like I mean th- these guys were thugs, and the, the football was not actually that good to watch really as a product. Um, getting rid of the punch by sending people off makes sense to me. I'd be happy to see it. See you later, Fafita. See you later, Latrell Mitchell. Uh, and cop a few weeks on the sideline. I'd, I'd love to see it, like they did with the spear tackle. Um, that would be good too. Let's roll forward though. Let's roll forward to uh, a bit of a conversation about what do we rank or what do we rate is the most entertaining team uh, that we've ever seen. So we're talking about just one particular season. Kieran, you mentioned earlier the, the Eels from 2009, particularly, mm-hmm. obviously, Jared Hayne. Uh, there's a couple of examples that spring to mind, but I was, I was as the game is starting to speed up and entertainment is, is in the forefront of our minds, let's, uh, let's take a trip down memory lane and, and think of the most entertaining side we can. I'll start with you, Miles. What's the, what's the most entertaining side you can think of? Well, um, in, in I think someone in the group changed my name today to Group Contrarian. So, um, <laughs> was Chris. in that spirit, I um, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Um, I, I think a lot of people, when they think entertaining, they think backs. But I, I, I personally, I loved watching the, the early two thousands Bulldogs because not only did they they score a ton of points and you know they they did it with guys in the in their spine like Braith and Astor and Brent Sherwin who were not particularly. Uh, damaging offensive players, but they they also had a big damaging forward pack, and and to me that seemed to kind of exemplify what rugby league was about, which is you know playing great footy at both ends of the field. You know that um, uh, I remember almost every game that they would uh, elect to to kick off if they won the toss and and set the the standard pretty much immediately by um, by smashing the opposition's forwards five tackles in a row, and they'd baby make thirty meters, and and they'd uh, they'd set the pretty much set the standard right from then and, and go on and, and more and more often than not win the game. So I loved watching that. And, and they, they did have some um, exciting guys on the outside backs. Matt Utah was was entertaining to watch. Luke Patton uh, was uh, had a sort of really clinical, uh, entertaining edge to him. Um, so, you know, they, they weren't boring. Nigel Vanganar as well springs to mind. Nigel was, Vanganar, of I course. I think he scored like Willie five Tonga. tries. Willie Tonga, yeah. Yeah, Willie Tonga, yeah. Thanks, uh, guys, but- for... <laughs> You're right though. The, the the forward pack was excellent. Uh, Marco Mealy would just bash blokes, and Willie Mason would charge through them. And then, of course, the kick pressure from Steve Price. Uh, that was a heck of a team, uh, and deserving premiers in 2004. Um, Kieran, what's what's a, what's a team that springs to mind for you? Uh, I completely forgot about uh, Miles's one, but I could have almost gone that, but I haven't, and I haven't gone with the Cowboys of 2015, as tempting as that was. Um, <laughs> But my favourite, it hurts a little to say as a Cowboys fan, but it's it's the West Tigers of 2005. Um, their, their spine was unreal and their forward pack, including Todd Payton, could, could go ball play as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I had the, the most exciting player in the comp at the time, and arguably the, the most exciting 5'8", the, the modern NRL era in Benji Marshall, Prince in the form of his life. And then you had guys, Farah and Hodgson, who had stellar seasons and career themselves. Um, the Cowboys uh, in, the, in that final series were a joy to watch, but the Tigers were just a level above. And if you can find the DVD of the Tigers 05 season, I think it's well worth buying. Yeah, they had a tremendous side uh, that year. It's not so bad losing to the Tigers, uh, especially knowing the decade that we just witnessed. Uh, it's nice to let them have their time in the sun, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, my team is a team that uh, did not go on to win the Premiership. Um, I actually considered, to be honest with you, I considered the Panthers from last year because, I mean, that's recency bias, but they were unbelievable and they're such a good team to watch. Uh, and they still are, really. It's largely the same side. They're they're a fantastic side, but I didn't go with them. I have very fond memories of the Parramatta Eels from 2001. Uh, they were clearly the best team in a very good comp. You know, like they had the Knights with Andrew Johns and Matt Gilley and Tamana Tahu and Ben Kennedy, and they ended up winning the comp in the grand final. But... Uh, that, you know, the Brisbane Broncos were still a stacked side. They were the reigning premiers. The Roosters were in this patch of... They were runners-up in 2000. They won the comp in 2002, so they were red hot. But the Eels were just this incredible side. They piled on a, a 433 points differential for that season. Um, and by having a disastrous first half in the grand final where they went down 24-6 to to the Knights, um, that means the team's brilliance is largely, largely forgotten. But they did have... Brett Hodgson, who was also in your 2005 Tigers team, Kieran. They had the Kalis brothers, Nathan and, and Jason. They had the Hindmarsh brothers, Nathan and Ian. They had Michael Butner. They had Jason Taylor, David Violecki, a 20-year-old Luke Burt, and a 19-year-old Jamie Lyon, who scored 15 tries that year. Oh, oh, they, oh. They, were a, they were a beautiful team to watch. Uh, and as you were talking about, Miles, good in the front. Like, the, the, the Kalises, the Hindmarshes, Andrew Ryan was there as well. He, he later ended up in your Jeez. Bulldogs team <laughs> as, a, as a captain of a grand final winning team, actually. Um, that was a shit-hot team. Uh, and they, they were really very clearly the best team that year. But the Knights won. Andrew Johnson becomes an immortal. Uh, everyone talked about Ben Kennedy. Uh, and very rarely do you hear people talk about David Violecki, but he was he was something else. Uh, so that's that's my shout. I think the Eels were were something else. Let's let's talk a bit about world sport news. I'm actually not that across this situation, but it does sound like absolute dog shit to me. The um, the <laughs> the European football. Uh, people who are making this decision, I don't even know what to call them, uh, (laughs) currently ballsing up a few of their competitions by creating a breakaway Super League where six teams from the English Premier League, a few from Spain, a few from Italy or or whatever, are joining together to form their own breakaway league, meaning that they are withdrawing from their domestic competitions, um, which, you know, Guys, you guys are more football fans than me. Just a very quick one. Kieran, is this a good idea? No, absolutely not. And the the lower teams are being bullied out of having any chance of, of getting to the same level that they deservedly have the right to try and earn as as those uh, higher teams like Real Madrid and Manchester United. It's a, a terrible idea. And Miles, I, I trust you agree with that? Yep, fully condemned. <laughs> okay, so let's just say... 
rugby league wants to do the same thing and there's going to be a composite between uh the english super league and the nrl um i can't speak with much authority about what the english super league are doing um but i would assume they would at least take catalans from france and toronto from canada um and a few teams from england if there was six teams that were going to make a break away football league from the nrl what would they be now kieran um you've gone for a a recent approach i suppose yeah i've i've gone six current teams at the moment i i've stated many times on this podcast that i've i started watching rugby league in i think 2003 now uh, and more seriously in 2004 um so i had to go with teams that I know. Uh, and the first team is the Panthers. Uh, I had to pick them given their youth development and, and current status in the game. I think it would be, um, if you're going off my metric, it would be a little crazy to leave them out. Uh, and then I've got the Roosters for pretty much the, the same reason, their, their youth development with players like Billy Smith, Sam Farrell, soon to shine on the big stage and having brought through Victor Radley uh, and Sam Walker. And then the Titans. I've got, that. the Titans are probably the outlier of the teams that I've picked, but... Um, I do have the number, the reason being the number of players I have heard that have come out of Keeper Park State High School uh, and other schools on the Gold Coast. They're, they're a side, and they're also a side with plenty of upside to them. So I think the Titans would go all right in this competition. Uh, mm. Fingers crossed it never, ever happens. I'm sure it won't, but I think they would do okay. Um, and then I've got South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Parramatta Eels, and the Melbourne Storm, all pretty much because of their status in the game. And then they just... Um, get things so right, especially the storm with their recruitment. Okay, interesting. So that's uh, five of those teams are red hot at the moment. The Titans probably less so, um, but you know, as you say, a, a very good rugby league nursery. Uh, you've got three states of Australia um, represented as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Did you give any thought to replacing the Titans with the Raiders, given that they've been a bit stronger for the last couple of years? I actually thought to replace the Titans with either the Cowboys or the Broncos just because the Cowboys seem to bring through quite a few good players and so do the Broncos. Uh, my main metric was going to be youth development um, and then I kind of shied away from that. I was tempted to put the Warriors in, to be honest, just because I think if they were in a, a standalone competition where it's a bit more uh, competitive, I think that more um, younger players would want to play league rather than union. Mm, interesting. Miles... Do you have a, a similar metric focusing on uh, on youth and junior systems, or have you got a different metric for your six teams? Well, uh, I didn't so much focus on, on uh, youth and, and the juniors, but, but more so um, uh, a, a similar sort of tactic here and then. I, I also had the Roosters and Panthers because um, they are the, the two best organisations in the NRL. And, and yes, obviously... Uh, there is a bit of uh, junior development that makes that up, but also they just run the best from top down, all different departments, uh, their, uh, their football departments, their, their off-the-field uh, departments. So I'd definitely be taking the, the Roosters and the Panthers. Um, uh, I've also written down the Broncos. Um, they, uh, that, I think they have to be there. They're the biggest team in the sport, and let's be honest, they'd probably be starting the, the concept of anything. Um, I've also taken the Warriors. Um I think they're the 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 biggest the biggest team in the the country in which the the sport of rugby is most popular. So I think they'd certainly be be joining. And and the other team I've got is the Rabbitohs, who are 
um, they're the the biggest team in the in the I guess the sorry I've got two more teams six um, <laughs> I've got the Storm and the Rabbitohs because they're the uh, the two biggest teams in the in the two biggest seas in the country. So you've got the Roosters, Panthers, Warriors, Storm, Rabbitohs, and did you say the Broncos as well? Yes, correct. Yeah, that's that's exactly my six. Uh, that's exactly oh, wow. where where I've <laughs> where I've landed as well. I ummed and ahed about getting rid of one of the Sydney teams to bring in the Dragons because they are one of the best supported teams Ooh. and have one of the richest histories. Um, but I simply couldn't. I, I couldn't take out the Roosters, Rabbitohs, or Panthers. Uh, recent form obviously helps. Uh, in the Panthers' case, the Junior Nursery. Uh, Rabbitohs and Roosters seem like very well-run organisations. Likewise, Storm. Likewise, Broncos. Obviously, their recent, you know, half a decade hasn't been great. Um, And the Warriors haven't been great on the field for a long time. But my rationale was I wanted representation from all three states. Uh, uh, You know, not counting the ACT. Canberra, probably a bit unlucky. But, you know, there's enough representation around that area. Um, And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> too cold and um and the new zealand warriors obviously just to represent new zealand i, I liked that uh strategy there but I, I think we can all confidently say that if that ever happened it would stupidly wreck the nrl um because we've all between us we've na- we've named about eight teams i think eight or nine uh and yeah, like let's let's just not go down that road. Yeah, that sounds really, really dumb. I can't believe. It. Is it FIFA that have made this this decision, or is it like a completely new breakaway thing? Yeah, it's like its own sort of caucus of twelve teams. Right. So they they just like they've just gone rogue. Yeah, yeah. They've the the um, owners, I guess, as you call it, the Glazers of Manchester United, and I can't remember who owns Liverpool. Have all decided. Uh, it's a money thing, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, interestingly okay. enough, it's obviously it's a, a you know a league podcast, and we don't want to hop on too much about it. But it's um, from my memory, it's mostly American owners, which kind of uh, I guess it sh- shows you um, that the the decision hasn't sort of originated in Europe, which is interesting to consider. Yeah, I mean, like you know, instead of I, I suppose that foreign owners don't care that much about stomping on tradition. Um, exactly. I, yeah. I can't imagine the Rabbitohs um, signing up for that. For example, I just I just can't see it. But you know, money talks, and um, hopefully, it never talks in our great game to that extent. Uh, let's take a quick break um, at halftime. We're gonna have we're gonna hear from my other podcast, which is of course Pretty Fly, a '90s nostalgia podcast. I will have to update that ad at some point, uh, and then we're gonna talk about our favorite brothers to ever compete in the NRL in honor of the Braley brothers. Back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. 
Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. And the Braley brothers, Jaden and Blake, played against each other for the first time in their NRL careers on Friday night when the Knights took on the Sharks. The Knights and Jaden getting the better of that equation. Uh, the question is, though, uh, which two brothers do we think are the best to ever compete in the NRL? And I'm ashamed, uh, Miles, that you've been labeled the group contrarian in our group chat because I've gone a little <laughs> bit rogue here. So I'll start with you, Miles. Uh, if you could tell me who the best brothers are that you've seen in the NRL. Well, look, on longevity alone, I think you have to almost, you have to to give it to the, the Morrises, Josh and, and Brett, the Morai, as they're affectionately known. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think maybe even combined with their father, was it Steve? Steve Rogers? Uh, sorry, Rogers. Steve Morris? Yes. Yes, yeah, it might be the, the the greatest footy family of, of all time. Who knows? But um, uh, I, I did consider, um, through sheer weight of numbers, the Burgesses, um, Obviously, uh, some carrying a little bit more than the others in terms of greatness, but uh, they also um, they also get penalised for pretty much all four of them being dickheads as well. So I went with the Morrises. Yeah, I was going to say like uh, Samuel has somewhat sullied any chances there, and and uh, the others I'm not sure about what their personalities are like, but uh, Sam hasn't done yeah, Luke, any favours. Luke definitely a dickhead. Oh, Luke definitely a dickhead. Can confirm on above the horizontal. You've got the yeah. scoop. <laughs> Fuck them all. <laughs> Just Fuck it out of too while you're at it. Oh man, Miles, are you okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going <laughs> off some steam. Just, just feeling it. Just feeling it. Just going out. Like I can just, I can picture you with, with in our Skype conversation. There's no cameras, but I can see you just punching, like punching the air, <laughs> like Laurie Nichols used to when the Balmain Tigers exactly. were going all right back in the eighties <laughs> and nineties. <laughs> all right, uh, Kieran, do you agree that it's the Morai? Well, well, first of all, uh, Owen was always telling me that he's going to make it in the NRL. So if my Achilles can uh, recover in time, maybe we can make a, a late charge at this. Um, I've, I've, seen, I've seen Owen's football skills. Just the other day, last week, on Friday, we, we uh, broke our new catching consecutive footies in a row. 21 is our new record, um, oh, which cool. is pretty good for him. So uh, he's, he's well on his way. I'm not so sure about his brother Kieran, though. Well, my Achilles is injured for our listeners out there. So if it wasn't, I think I've got all the confidence I'd be there. But I've got the Morris brothers as well. Um, I tossed up the Stewart brothers as well. But I just think that the, the Morris brothers' origin heroics just got them over the line for me. Um, but based on pure talent, I honestly think I, I could have easily gone the Stewart brothers. But yeah, as I said, Brett and Josh were just phen- phenomenal at club level for so long, as Miles also said, and were also phenomenal in an origin era dominated by Queensland. I think that says it all. We're talking in the group chat where Miles has been labelled the group contrarian uh, um, about wingers. I think Miles, you brought it to our attention about like you know who is the best winger of the NRL era. To me, it's quite clearly Brett Morris like it's 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 like yeah. him and then shit like daylight for the NRL era um, so I I can totally get around that call uh, from both of you and the more I were 
listed among my favorites. Um, I also have to acknowledge the Johns Brothers, mainly because of how, like, if you're talking about, like, combined greatness, Andrew Johns was just that damn good that Matthew Johns being also a very good footballer, as we saw in the 1997 grand final that we did for this show. Um, Simon so Chance with Owen? Yeah, well, <laughs> like, you're a chance. You're a chance. Owen will tell you that he's the fastest. That he often asks me, he's like, who do you reckon would win a race between me and Josh Adokar? And I'm like, well, to be fair, I've never seen you race each other, so I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> um, that's a very nice way of me uh, letting him down gently uh, shout out to Owen uh, look I've got to give an honourable mention to the Messenger Brothers before the NRL era uh, 1908 Daly played for East uh, Roosters became an immortal uh, his brother Wally would go on to play for Australia and New South Wales and a bunch of games for East as well although Wally was eight years younger. One thing that I find weird is that they both have basically the same name, Dally and Wally, with just a different letter at the start, but it's pronounced differently. So I'm going to get on board with calling Dally Dolly from now on. Just, I don't know, I'm just being weird at this point. My favourites actually never played in the NRL. Uh, they played international football, so I'm going to take a bit of a... Uh, I'm going to go a bit rogue. I'm not going to use NRL. I'm going to go with... The Paul brothers, Henry and Robbie, from the 90s and early 2000s. At their peak, they were some of the first players picked for New Zealand. Uh, They played over... They both played over 300 games in the English Super League uh, and over 20 tests for New Zealand. They both played in the halves, uh, Robbie and Henry, and were both named on the bench for the Brabham Bulls... uh, The Bradford Bulls Millennium Masters, which is essentially a a team that was picked... Uh, as their greatest ever side for the Bradford Bulls. So they both make the bench of that team. That's how good they were. Uh, Henry and Robbie Paul, if you haven't seen their highlights, particularly of Robbie Paul, um, I recommend checking it out because he was a heck of a player. So they are my favourite brothers. Uh, I, I understand it's a bit left field. Have Did you guys ever have the pleasure of seeing those two in action? No. Yeah, Never. Never. Well, I, yeah, as I said, I'd, I'd recommend it. They were they were really something. Did, they, did either of you catch the Messenger Brothers back in 1908? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, of course. The time travel and all that sort of stuff. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Um, the Morai's the, the uh, popular favorites, I'm sure. And, and if we're just using the NRL, then they get my vote too. Let's take another short break and we'll be back with the analysis of the upcoming features in round seven. Guys, it's time to analyze the upcoming fixtures for round seven. And first cab off the rank, we have you, Miles, for our Thursday night game between the Panthers and the Knights, which is being played at the ridiculously named Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith. <laughs> um, gosh, I almost want to tip the Knights just because of that. But uh, okay, uh, I, th- I think the Panthers are going to win this one. Um, the, the teams are, are relatively unchanged from... From memory, I, I think Apsikorosau uh, and, and Dylan Edwards, who both obviously walk-up starters, are um, in the extended squad. I, I doubt that they'll probably get a run given the low leverage of the game. But, yeah, it's uh, a pretty easy Panthers tip for me here. I actually have some news on that front. Um, I've just refreshed the page, and Paul Momorowski has been suspended for three matches. It's officially been upheld. So that means that he will drop out of the centres, 
which means that's that Robert Jennings. Well, yes, Robert Jennings is on the <laughs> reserves, um, yes. and Dylan Edwards is also too. So uh, Stephen Crichton could drop back into the centres for Dylan Edwards, or Robert Jennings could slot into the centres uh, as a straight swap, depending on Dylan Edwards' fitness. I would imagine. Um, so that's something. Um, I was very close to buying Paul Momorowski in the uh, in the fantasy football, but I'm glad I didn't now. Um, Look, I'm going to go with the Panthers for this one as well. It's just like, you know, Kalen Ponga was excellent for the Knights, but they've got too many holes uh, to plug compared to the Panthers there. So I don't expect Momorowski's absence to be a, a deal breaker. What do you think, Kieran? Yeah, I've got the exact same reason. I think the Knights have too many uh, holes to plug. So I think the, the Panthers will get the win. Look at us using the same words. I love it. Um <laughs> Kieran, you have the next game, which is a bit more local for us, on Friday evening between the Titans and Rabbitohs, which is from Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so uh, Tino isn't out for the uh, for the Titans, um, but it sees more Fodawaka come in, which I think won't be uh, such a bad thing. I really like Fodawaka as a player. I think he brings plenty, and it won't be too much of a loss. Um, and Anthony Don's also returning. Obviously, the Rabbitohs have the, the big exclusion of Latrell Mitchell, who we're still waiting to hear how long he'll be banned for, but I have no doubt that he will be with uh, respect. Um, I, the Titans haven't beaten a team that's uh, probably going to finish higher than them on the table. Um, and if they were to have any chance of finishing higher than, it, say, for example, the Raiders or... Um, I can't remember who else they lost to, but they lost to another uh, decent side. Um, they had to win those games, and they haven't been proving that they can do it against the big boys, so I've got the Rabbitohs winning. Just to confirm, Latrell Mitchell has not been named in the 21 at all, so even if he does win, uh, it's more of a grading thing for him, I think, this judiciary hearing, so they're trying to downgrade it, but he will still miss football is my understanding. Okay. Uh, so Johnston will be the fullback uh, unless there is some sort of dramatic change. Uh, I'm finding it pretty hard to tip the Titans here. Uh, yes, the Troll Mitchell makes a big difference to that side, but I, I, I can't see it being a being a, a deal breaker. They're on a five-game winning streak, so go the Rabbitohs. What do you think, Miles? I was actually a little closer to tipping the Titans than you two, I think. Um, mm. I think Mitchell out will be a, a big deal. I, I still think that everyone's um, hatred for him blinds just how, how good he is at fullback, really. But um, they're also ordinary against the Tigers last week, and they've been ordinary a, a few weeks in a row now. So I was close to tipping the Titans, but I'm still going to go with the Rabbitohs here. Yeah, maybe a bit of a point to prove after a lackluster game against the, the Tigers as well. Um Later on that evening, uh, from TIO Stadium in Darwin, it's a Parramatta Eels home game against the Broncos. Probably more of a a local fixture for the Bronx. Um, Only a couple of changes, one for each team. A couple of changes, actually, for the Broncos. Uh, The Eels welcome back Dylan Brown, who replaces Will Smith, who seems to have dropped completely out of the side. Uh, The Broncos are buoyed by the return of Herbie Farnworth with Richie Kennar dropping back to reserve grade. Danny Levi has been signed by the club and he's immediately come onto the bench after he's played uh, the season thus far for the North Devils in the Intrust Super Cup. Uh, He has come in at the expense of, it appears to be John Asiata, uh, it would seem. Look, there was a lot of good signs of the Broncos last week against the Panthers, uh, but there's also a lot of good signs of the Eels against the Raiders, so it's it's too hard to tip the Broncos here. I'm going to go with the Eels. What do you say, Kieran? 
Yeah, the Eels only uh, real blip this season has been against the Dragons. I've got the Eels winning. And Miles? I too have the Eels winning. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. Let's roll forward to Saturday evening at 5.30 from Nestrata Jubilee Stadium in Sydney, which is the Sharks' home game against the Bulldogs. If you could take that one, please, Miles. Well, uh, obviously the, the big in this week, probably the biggest in um, around the teams, I'd say, Sean Johnson for the Sharks. Um, mm. He was he was massive for them toward the end of last year, and I'm sure that won't uh, be any different uh, this time around. He'll um, he's uh, notably he is coming off the the interchange bench, so they will be easing him back in. Um, that's um, uh, pretty much pretty much it in terms of the teams. Oh, sorry, also Josh Dugan returning in the centres, but uh, I think at this point in his career, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Will Chambers also actually uh, looking at the team sheets listed in the the reserves. Um, I don't think he'll be getting a run, he, but uh, he's there. Should something uh, should Josh Dugan break down again? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. No, no real changes to the Bulldogs. Um, and uh, with that, you'd, you'd pretty much imagine it'd be a, a walk up uh, win for the Sharks. But uh, I guess anything could happen. I'm certainly tipping them though. Yeah, I'm also tipping them. Um, uh, and yes, I would say that Will Chambers will debut because yes, Josh Dugan will break a fingernail or something in the warm-up. <laughs> so he's probably confirmed out at this point, I would say. Um, Kieran, where do you land on the Sharks and the Bulldogs? Yeah, look, I, I like the Bulldogs. They're uh, one of those effort teams that we spoke about when we were saying what we want from a, a team that's not doing so great. I do think that they... Uh, for the most part, give a good account of themselves despite getting flogged each week or most weeks, but I've got the Sharks winning. Yeah, I thought you were going in a different direction with that tip there for, for a bit. No. <laughs> I was a bit like, Kieran, do you understand what you're saying right now? Um, <laughs> uh, I understand that this might be tricky for you, Kieran, but on 7.35 on Saturday night at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville, it's the Cowboys hosting a battered and bruised Canberra Raiders. Well, yeah. I mean, the the Raiders have actually named uh, such a different side that for the average NRL fan that doesn't follow the Cowboys, they might know just as many Cowboys players as they do Raiders now, uh, given that Sticky swung the axe and uh, changed up the team quite a bit. I, th- I thought Rapino was quite lucky to keep his spot. I thought he was going to get dropped. Um, but I guess Bailey Simonson being out for the game probably saved him. And, and then Curtis Scott's still there. Um, Sebastian Chris is a, a great inclusion. I, I rate him mm. um, for the Raiders. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys have named an unchanged team. Yes, they have. Um, and they've won two in a row. Um, so they apparently they know how to win, and the Raiders don't on a, a two-game losing streak. But despite all that, I've got the Raiders winning. Yeah, so do I. Um, Miles, I, I trust that you do too. Yes, I also have the Raiders winning. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair cop. Uh, let's move on to Anzac Day. Uh, there's a few fixtures for Anzac Day this week, uh, lest we forget. Uh, to start off with, at Bankwest Stadium in Sydney at 1.45, it's the Tigers against the Sea Eagles. Um, unfortunately for the Tigers, Asu Kepaoa has suffered an ACL injury with the versatile Michael Cheekham coming into the centres. Uh, Joey Lealua is probably some chance of coming into the side from the reserves. It really depends on how his head's going after that concussion. Uh, if he does, I imagine Cheekham probably drops back to the bench um, or maybe even back to the reserves. It's hard to tell. Uh, Alex Seafarth 
also gets a crack from the interchange bench in place of Michele. Uh The Seagulls are unsurprisingly unchanged. I was actually really impressed with both teams last week for, for different reasons, and I think the Tigers were pretty unlucky. As we discussed, if Latrell Mitchell gets sent or, or Sinbind, I think that game goes differently, and we're having a very different conversation. But given how much of a struggle that was for them and, and how brutal and physical that game was, I don't expect them to hold that momentum that they gained from that game. Uh, and I expect the Seagulls will make it three in a row. Kieran, what do you think? Um, I was tempted to go with the Tigers. I just think that they have a more of a togetherness as a team. They all seem to be on the, the same page in regards to effort and uh, the direction the team wants to go. But I, I have gone the Seagulls. And Miles, one of your one of your good buds is a Tigers fan. You often go to the games. Um, do you see them pulling off a victory here? Uh, I, I thought about it. I, I agree with Kieran. Actually, I think the the Tigers are um, are the better team than the the Seagulls. But I, I think with uh, Trebovic, Tom Trebovic returning, it, it gives the Seagulls a bit of a uh, sort of world class edge that the Tigers can't match. So I, I do think the Seagulls will win this. All right, so it'll be three in a row for the Seagulls, and it speaks some life into you guys saying that they maybe or will make the top eight, especially if they do get on a bit of a roll. Let's talk about teams that have lost a roll, uh, the Dragons and the Roosters, who are, of course, playing their traditional Anzac Day game. They're playing it at 4.05 p.m., which will be televised on, on free-to-air. From the Sydney Cricket Ground, it's the Roosters and the Dragons, please, Miles. Well, uh, I, I almost went the Dragons here as well. I, I, I think it, it's probably going to be a bit closer than it is at first glance. But um, look, obviously the Roosters have the the, the big uh, boon of Sam Verrill's back at hooker. They've been really mm. sort of um, hooking by committee really the past few weeks. Um, ever since uh, uh, Freddie Lassick and, and uh, some of their prior options went down, um, so that's the the big in for this clash. The Dragons are, are relatively unchanged. Um, ben Hunt returning um, via the reserves, so I, I don't imagine he would uh, get a run here. But yeah, look, I, I think it'll be a close one. But uh, I, I think the the Roosters will probably still be a bit uh, a bit too classy for the the Dragons at this stage. But there is precedent. Um, the the Dragons upset the. Eels uh, on the road a few weeks ago, so they, they, they could pull something off here. The Dragons' game plan is almost certainly going to be to try and bash them through the middle. It has been for most of the games this season. Um, and then just, you know, the, the pace of Dufty will finish the rest with guys like Lomax and Bird out in the centres as well. I think the Roosters will relish that challenge. Um, they're the kind of people that will be hoping with, with their inexperienced halves that this game does become a, a battle of attrition in the middle. Uh, so I also expect the Roosters to get there, especially with the lengthy bench they have of, of Warrior Hargraves and <laughs> Lindsay Collins. Although um, Victor Radley is in front of the judiciary this evening. And if he does not, if he's not successful, he will of course miss out uh, on Anzac day. So that could be a big out, but yes, I will also go the Roosters, but not super confidently. Kieran, are, are you confident either way? I'm not confident either way, but I also agree. I think player for player, the Roosters are just the better, well, the better team for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously it's an Anzac Day game. The Dragons will really lift, but yeah, player for player, I think the Roosters will get it done. 
Alrighty, and you have the final game, which is also now a traditional Anzac Day game between the Melbourne Storm and the New Zealand Warriors at 6.15pm from Amy Park. Yeah, and uh, Pappenhausen is the big out for this one with Nico Hines coming in. Um, I, I do like Nico Hines. I think he's a, a reasonable NRL player, but that's a huge loss for the Storm. Uh, with Pappenhausen arguably being the Storm's best player or Storm best player this season. Um, I see this being a really, really close one. And I've actually got the, the, the Warriors edging this one. I think the leadership of the Warriors, we spoke about Nathan Brown doing a great job of the Warriors. And I, I think the leadership of Tuvasa Sheik, um, obviously I'm not at the club and around it, but I, I think he's the consummate uh, professional. And I really think that he'll get the, the team up for this one. I think the Warriors will edge this. Very interesting. I, I can't remember the Warriors going to Melbourne and winning, apart from a very famous time where the Storm were minor premiers. And it was back in the days of, in the first week of the finals, it was one versus eight, and the Warriors were eight, and they, they beat the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne. I, that was well over a Michael decade Witt. ago, though. Michael, Michael Witt, Witt scored, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, that was yeah, awesome. quite right. <laughs> And it was like 16-13 or something. Like the Storm pulled ahead and then Witt scored or something like that. Um, and he, interesting. He, Sorry? He he, uh, he went to go put the ball down, but he kind of flirted with it. Like he teased the Storm. I don't know who was chasing him, but he teased them a little bit and he put it down and he almost got shoved over the sideline. Which would have been fantastic schadenfreude. <laughs> uh, but alas. A uh, couple of ins that I've noticed uh, is Dale Finucane is on the bench for the Storm. So that's that's an interesting in for them. He's a, obviously a very fine player and a co-captain. Uh, and just keep a little eye out for the Warriors. They've named Reese Walsh in the reserves. He's a very promising player. A fullback out of the Broncos system that they could not keep. Uh just keep a keep a little eye on that there because I'm keeping I'm looking at the Warriors side. They've got Jack Murchie in the centres. Uh, he's he's a back rower, and in terms of players that could play in the back line, I'm not seeing a lot on the bench. I'm not seeing a lot in the rest of the forward pack, and I think Reese Walsh could be a bit of a goer there, maybe on the wing, but we'll have to wait and see. But I'm just I'm vamping a little bit. It's the storm for me. Um, Miles, where do you land on this uh, now traditional Anzac Day clash? Yeah, definitely the Storm. They've got really good form in this one. Uh, I think they once beat the, the Warriors like 50 in a zip almost in one of these fixtures. It may well have been last year, 50 to 6. Um, thanks to Kieran for typing that one into <laughs> the, into the uh, run sheet for me. Guys, it's Golden Point. Thank you very much for your efforts so far. Let's hit up some bold predictions. We all struck out last week. Miles, what do you got for us? Well, as you said, I did strike out last week, but I'm, I'm going to roll with the same sort of prediction. Um, fresh off seemingly being replaced for next year by Jackson Hastings. Luke Brooks, who is, uh, I think, having a better year than, than some would imagine. Uh, I think mm. he'll... Uh, be booned by the uh, the he's he's maybe his new harvest partner maybe not for next year and I, I think he'll be motivated and I think he's going to score one try and, and set up two others in a what will be another close Tigers loss uh, unfortunately for their fans. <laughs> well, good luck to Mr. Brooks. Kind of the best of both worlds. You, you get Brooksy having a good game, but you lose. It's very very West Tigers. Um, <laughs> so I could almost see it happening. Uh, Kieran, what's your bold prediction? Um, I'm expecting Kaelin Ponga to have a running battle with 
who has the bigger influence on their team with Cleary on Thursday night. So I'm going to say Ponga will score a try, assist another, and run for 170 metres plus. And I'm stopping short of saying he'll get at least a Deli M point because that's such a lottery these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you see that Latrell Mitchell got three oh. points as best yeah. and fairest? <laughs> oh man Corey Parker what are you doing man just like representing Logan to the absolute max (laughs) as as the panel judge my goodness gracious that was and like like no Tigers players despite the fact they were the better team like just nonsense stuff from Corey what are you doing mate speaking of nonsense stuff uh, I'm going against my heart here and in a very big way I've got the Raiders to not just dismantle the Cowboys I've got them to destroy the Cowboys at home 30 plus uh, in a statement of intent uh, with with the uh, with as as you mentioned Kieran Sticky wielding the axe a bit there I don't think it'll be a close one I think I think this will be a touch-up. I think the Cowboys may be a little bit complacent. They let a couple of teams, the Tigers and the Bulldogs, back into games they should have really, really ruthlessly put away. Uh, I think the Raiders are going to ruthlessly put the Cowboys away here. So Raiders by 30-plus for me. Uh, Miles has Luke Brooks with a try and two try assists. uh, And, look, probably a loss, unfortunately, (laughs) for the Tigers. And... Kieran has Kalen Ponga with a try, a try assist, and 170 metres gained with the ball. So uh, good luck to all three of us, I suppose. We don't have any conflicting um, tips there. So if we can all get a bold with uh, with eight out of eight, that'd be delicious. Um, and look, I can't in good faith, after what I've just boldly predicted, say what I would normally say. So I'm going to go with... <laughs> go, the, uh, go the European Super League. <laughs> don't go to the European Super League stick with the English Premier League please go PSG <laughs> are PSG going to be in it or are they just doing their own thing no gosh they, yeah. they've, they've committed to not joining I think I, I've always liked the Parisians I've, I've always I've, I've, I like Paris and I like the Parisians so go PSG there's a full time siren Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson. <laughs>